Apostles' Creed, I want to share a few thoughts about um, the day, uh, Good Shepherd Sunday, in particular uh, about our uh, gospel lesson today. Now, a few years ago, I read an article that was published by the Humane Society of the United States, and the article was entitled Blog Training, Nothing in Life is Free. I'd like to share an excerpt uh, from that article with you this morning. The article begins, you're relaxing on a sofa, reading a paper, and your dog bumps your leg to get your attention. You ignore him, and so he plops his ball in your lap. You ignore him again, so being a persistent puppy, he sticks his head under the newspaper, making it impossible for you to read the story about what your neighbor was caught doing. Exasperated, you toss the ball for your dog, and he has got you trained. Do you wish the roles were reversed? If so, a training technique called nothing in life is free may be just the solution that you're looking for. Nothing in life is free. It isn't a magic pill that will solve specific behavior problems. Instead, it's a way of living with your dog that will help him behave better because he trusts and accepts you as his leader and is confident knowing his place in the family. What is nothing in life is free? You have resources like food and treats and toys and attention. And your dog wants these resources. Make him earn them. That's the basis for nothing in life is free. When your dog does what you want, he gets rewarded with the thing that he wants. Well, we've all been taught that nothing in life is free and that if it sounds too good, it probably is. Now, the world tries to do this over and over and over again. It tries to sell us life and it tries to sell us happiness. And as it tries to, we're clearly told that nothing in life is free. And that in fact, life and happiness are not only not free, but life and happiness are expensive. There are so many things out there for us to buy and try to make us happy. In fact, the world says the more you spend, the happier you'll be. But that is nothing more than a lie. But still, that lie bombards us from every side every single day. And those who perpetuate that lie are nothing more than thieves and robbers trying to steal away our life and our happiness. They literally are trying to steal our very souls. Really, the way most people live today is diametrically opposed to God's plan for us. It makes me think of C.S. Lewis's book, The Screwtape Letters. Screwtape Letters is a book of letters written from a senior demon named Screwtape to his younger nephew named Wormwood. At one point, Screwtape compares Satan's desire to take with God's desire in Jesus to freely give. Screwtape says, we want cattle who can finally become food. He, referring to God, he wants servants who can finally become sons. We want to suck in, and he wants to give out. We are empty and would be filled. He is full and flows over. So Lewis's point is, is that people are hungry for life, and they're willing to pay a high price for it. And the world, Satan, is glad to take our money and our souls. That's what Jesus is talking about when he warns us in today's gospel lesson that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
the thief is anyone or anything that would try to sell us the abundant life that Jesus wants to freely give to each and every one of us. The Bible tells us that we were created in God's own image. What does that mean? Well, among other things, since God is love, it means that we, like God, have the ability to love. We have the ability to have loving relationships with God and with other people. In fact, having a mutually loving relationship with God and with his creation, which includes other people, is exactly what we were created for. We were created by and we worship a triune God. God is three in one, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. In the Athanasian Creed, it's, it's the third of the three great ecumenical creeds. It puts it beautifully, and, and we don't really use this creed a whole lot today. Uh, traditionally, it's used on uh, Trinity Sunday. Um, but this is an excerpt from the uh, Athanasian Creed. Again, I think it puts it beautifully. We worship one God in Trinity, and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the essence. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, and the Holy Ghost uncreated. The Father unlimited, the Son unlimited, and the Holy Ghost unlimited. The Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet, there are not three eternals, but one eternal. And also there are not three uncreated, nor three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. And so likewise, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Holy Ghost Almighty, and yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. And so the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God, and yet they are not three gods, but one God. And so likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Ghost is Lord, and yet not three lords, but one Lord. And then a little bit later, the Creed says, in this Trinity, none is before or none is uh, or after another, none is greater or less than another, but the whole three persons are co-eternal and co-equal. So that in all things aforesaid, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. Now the Athanasian Creed, it says a lot more, but for today I want us to understand and to remember that we were created by a triune God who for all eternity has always been in a loving relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always, always in love, always in relationship. And so when he created everything, he created everything to be in relationship with him and with all creation. Adam and Eve and you and I and all of human, humankind have been created in God's own image and therefore given the ability to enter into that same special relationship. The great theologian, St. Augustine, who was born in the year 354, said, God has created us for himself, and our heart is restless until it rests in him. You see, when he created us, he also made a special place in our hearts for God himself to dwell. In the Nicene Creed, we say that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and the giver of life. 
God at work through the Son created all things, and God at work through the person of the Holy Spirit breathed life into Adam at his creation. Just as God the Holy Spirit breathes life into every human being at the very moment they're conceived in their mother's womb. And if you've been baptized by water and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has made a special dwelling place inside you. He's in your heart waiting for you to ask him to use you for his purpose, waiting for you to ask him to empower you to do the work that he's given you to do, waiting for you to ask him to transform you from the inside out more and more into the image of Christ. He's there because you've invited Jesus to live in your heart in the person of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. Now, there's a simple toy that's made for toddlers, and it's to help them develop dexterity and cognitive skills. It has cutouts of several different shapes that you're supposed to try to fit into the different shapes to the correct cutout. And so the toy includes a hammer and a bunch of shapes, a circle, a square, plus sign, a triangle, some even have a heart shape. But the point of the toy is to take one of the shapes and then to try to hammer it into the correct cutout. But unless you have the correct shape, you're never going to get it to fit into the, into the correct cutout. No matter how, how hard you hit with the hammer, the circle, the square, the plus sign, the triangle, they're never ever going to fit into the cutout of the heart. When we try to fill the spaces in our heart that God has made for himself with the stuff of the world instead, it's just like trying to fit the wrong piece into the cutout of the heart in that toy. The right piece is, it fits perfectly in your heart when you follow Jesus as his disciple and when you put him in charge. You make him your shepherd. You invite the Holy Spirit to dwell inside that special cutout in your heart created by God himself to be his holy temple. Of course, the one thing that you have to do, though, is to love him and follow him. In this gospel lesson today, John tells us how Jesus used the image of being the great shepherd and his followers being sheep of his flock. And the great prophet Isaiah said in chapter 40, that he will tend his flock like a shepherd, he will gather the lambs in his arms, he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. And Philippians 4.19 says that God will supply every need of yours according to the riches, his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But the Lord our God does not become your shepherd automatically. You have to ask him to be your shepherd. You have to ask him to be your Lord. And what does that mean, to be Lord? It means to be in control. Lord simply means to be in charge. So ask him to be in charge of your life. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus says that three things happen when you make him your shepherd. Number one, you hear his voice, you have a relationship with him, and you follow him. In other words, you put him in control. You make him your Lord. And so ask yourself the question, do I suffer from worrying too much? Maybe you worry about your health or about bills or how this COVID-19 shutdowns, how long it's going to last. Maybe you worry about retirement or what somebody else thinks about you. Or maybe you worry about politics. Or maybe you worry about the weather or any number of other things. You know, 
Worry is nothing more than trying to control what you can't control. Worry should be a warning light for you that you have not put God in control. Putting him in control of your life, stop worry. At least you'll worry a whole lot less. Now Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And 1 Peter 5 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now that word cast, it means to unload, let go. The, the Greek word literally means to drop, drop all your cares. Over and over, the Holy Scriptures tell us to take one day at a time. Even in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us not to worry as we pray, give us this day our daily bread. God will take care of tomorrow. Just trust him for today. And if we find that we have to suffer, remember that Peter said in today's epistle lesson, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus wants to be our good shepherd. He wants us to follow in his steps. When we really make him our good shepherd and we follow in his steps and we trust in him, he will take care of us. He will provide for us. He will protect us. No matter what life throws our way, we shall not want, but will instead be at peace and we will have all that we need. Our parched souls will be refreshed and we will be firmly on the road to heaven and eternal life. The evil one will have no power or authority over us, and we will take comfort in being gently and lovingly corrected by the Lord. We will be invited to the great banquet that awaits all believers, the wedding feast where Jesus is the bridegroom, and we will be blessed beyond all measure. He will never leave us alone or unprotected, and we will live with him forever. These are the promises that we prayed earlier this morning when we prayed the 23rd Psalm together. What a comfort and what power there is in those beautiful words. Comfort and power in times of death, when we mourn the loss of a loved one. But also comfort and power in times of life for all believers here and now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.